making the brand has gone a bit country on today's episode. We love to dig into all things marketing and pop culture, and who better to chat with than Jen Krim, who is the social media manager at the Opry Entertainment Group in Music City, Nashville, Tennessee. Welcome to the show, Jen. Hi. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. This is going to be so much fun. I know I talk about the Backstreet Boys a lot, but I do love country music too. So (laughs) this will be fun. I also love the Backstreet Boys, so I get it. (laughs) Yes. And they did a collab with Florida Georgia Line. So they did. Yes. They count as country sometimes. So. Well, if you're not familiar with Opry Entertainment Group, it is a collection of world-famous music brands, most notably the Ryman Auditorium, ACL Live, Old Red, and also, of course, the Grand Old Opry. And on LinkedIn, I, I loved this. They describe themselves as connecting music fans to the artists they love through live shows, iconic venues, and powerful storytelling. And Jen, I have to imagine that your role in social media is a major part of that storytelling. So I'd love to hear more about your background and how how you landed this, this dream job. Yeah, well, I definitely feel like it's a full circle story, which at Opera Entertainment, we love ourselves a full circle moment. But I, back when I was in high school, was on a marketing street team for a singer-songwriter based in New York City. And it was just such a fun like thing to do. I met some of like my best friends through this experience. And we really did. I mean, it was back in like the MySpace days. So, you know, we were like boots on the ground, you know, calling all the radio stations, making stuff in like Photoshop. It was it was just so much fun. And I never considered doing that for a career. I just was like, this is a fun thing that I'm doing. Like while I'm in high school, I had taken like one graphic design class, of course, like social media wasn't really social media yet. And it was just a fun thing to do. And so when I got to college, I started as a film major and I spent some time on TV sets and film sets, which I'll talk to a little bit later of how that's kind of helped me now at this video era. And realized that film like wasn't ultimately what I wanted to do. And so I was trying to go back and think like, what did I really enjoy doing? And I just kept coming back to that experience, being on that street team and getting to work with all of those people and switched my major to graphic design in college with a minor in marketing and then got a social media internship the next semester (laughs) and never really looked back after that. And then I moved to Nashville about a year after I graduated college and just kind of landed here and it's been a whirlwind. But yeah, that's kind of where I started. And then I just ended up full circle right back in music. So yeah. And MySpace, I mean, if you were a a musician, that was where you were. (laughs) That was your social back then. So, okay. So you, you managed some, some artists then. So would you say that you're a country music fan at heart or did that come a little bit later? Yeah, I mean, I definitely didn't listen to country music growing up. My mom's like a 70s rock fan. I think the extent of the country we listened to was like Shania Twain, Alan Jackson, like a little bit here and there, but definitely didn't have a lot of that growing up. And then when I was in college, I lived with girls who like were big country music fans. Like we'd seen Thomas Rhett in college, like people like that. And so I actually really loved the like relationships between the female artists in Nashville. It was like, it is so special just to see the like camaraderie and community there. 
So when I was thinking about moving to Nashville, I was like, it would just be cool to get to like watch that in real life. But I never, ever thought that I would end up like working in music. That was never even on my radar. And actually the first trip I ever took to Nashville, the first day I ever went there, I saw Carrie Underwood at the Opry. Oh, um, another full circle moment. Yeah, my yeah. first night in Nashville. And yeah, so it, it just kind of was a kismet, you know, situation. Yeah. I love that. So, all right, at Opry Entertainment, do you manage all four of the venues of the brands? How does that work? Did you start out in, in one area? What is that looking like now? Yeah. So when I first came on back in 2020, I was doing day to day for Opry and then I've touched all of them or I've like directly managed all of them except for ACL Live in some capacity throughout the years. But now I really focused on managing the team that manages all of them. So I have my team that manages each one of those businesses. And yeah, we just do a lot of, I do a lot of like the strategy and overseeing that and kind of driving that and then, you know, giving support to the team where they need it. Yeah. And I know you have some great insights about managing a team. So if someone is listening to this and manages a social team, stay tuned because you have a lot of great wisdom to share there. Yeah. <laughs> so, But congratulations because the Grand Ole Opry Instagram channel is just such a happy place celebrating country music and it's about to hit 1 million followers. Yes. So close. Coming. We're, co- we're going. I'm ready yes. for it. <laughs> it's it's going to happen. And if you're listening to this and you're not following, please put them over the edge because they're right there. But for those who are listening to this and they don't have their your Instagram feed right in front of them, can you describe the types of content that kind of fill your Opry social channels? What can they expect when you log on there? Yes. Well, it's a lot of artist moments. I think as you referenced earlier, kind of Opry Entertainment's mission really is to connect the fans and artists. And we definitely love to share those moments and those relationships and put them kind of center stage on our Instagram. So there's a lot of like artist interactions with each other. You can see photos of that. We also do a lot of like, we call them creative reels where the artist is very involved in those. So there's a lot of those on Instagram right now. And then we share performances and just kind of, you know, the moments that happen through the show too. So try to show a little bit of everything, but really give that kind of like backstage sneak peek exclusive access over there as well. Yes, we love peaks backstage. We can't be there physically. It's the next best thing. So so thank you for that. Man, so you've been in this role since 2020. I would love to know what have been some of your main strategies and focuses on your way to 1 million followers? What have been some of the key things that have helped you get there and really helped build those channels? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, throughout my career and definitely throughout this role, like I've always said, like our audience comes first and making sure that what we're sharing really connects with the audience and and gives those really like exciting moments. Like if I wouldn't like it, what I want to post it, you know, really thinking about it from an audience first perspective. So I think that's definitely kind of been the core of, you know, my strategy the whole time that I've been here is really what's going to provide value to our audience and what do they want to see. I also think it's a lot of like entertainment. And I think we're really in this place where we're seeing social media return to being this space of entertainment. I mean, it's been kind of evolving as brands have gotten involved in it and businesses have gotten on it. And it's been kind of very like adsy and salesy for a while. And I think people are literally returning to I just want to be entertained when I'm on someone's page. So definitely the entertainment factor of it. And and it helps that we have an entertainment um, company. Yeah. So <laughs> that lends itself well. 
but yeah, just really keeping in mind the audience and what connects with them and what artists they want to see and what moments they want to see. And, and really just showing like the Opry has been around for almost a hundred years now. And we've been a radio show from the start. We're still a radio show. So really continuing to just play into the legacy of the Opry and continue that by showing what's going on backstage, on stage, around the stage, everywhere. So yes. It truly is iconic. So that's that's really exciting. And you're right, being an entertainment brand does help. But I hope people who are listening, even if you don't run social for an entertainment brand, that just keeping that in mind, that social should be entertaining and that type mm-hmm. of content really does go over well. It might be a little bit harder if that's not the nature of what your brand is, but with a little creativity, it is possible. And I've noticed a major portion of your content is video. And I didn't Mm -hmm. know you had a background in film and everything. That is so interesting. And if you ask me, I mean, video is just a different beast for any social media manager. And I'm sure there are some out there who are doing it all. And they maybe don't have a team or a production team to help them with this. And it's just, it's a lot to handle. So I would love to know what are your learnings that you've had working with video, either on the production side or just what you've learned with how it's received by your audience, just any insights about video I'd love to hear. Yeah. Oh my gosh. I feel like I could talk about it all day. <laughs> Big question. <laughs> yes, definitely. I did not realize how much having like a film and TV background was going to serve me in this year of doing this as a career. I think what was so special about spending time on like film and TV sets was getting to watch how shots were set up or, you know, oh, we have to change this person because the way the camera set up, like just being able to see all of that prep helped me really develop like what I needed for the vision of it. Mm-hmm. And I think that was so special and just that's been so integral to my strategy. And I think on top of that, being able to share that with my team, especially when people come on and they don't have previous video experience, being able to say like, this is the vision and this is what we're executing. So that's one thing that's been really, really helpful. I think also for me, most of our content across all of our brands, it's shot on iPhones. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't have you know these big cameras that we're using. We do have some, we have a great video team who is amazing and they have really great you know professionally filmed quality content. But we really think about through the lens of the way people are consuming content on social media. If someone's scrolling TikTok or Instagram, and you're seeing a bunch of, you know, natively created videos, and then you stop on our video, and it's very, very produced. In my mind, to me, that tells me it's like an ad, or it just doesn't feel native to the platform experience. So I always tell my team, let's make sure that we're creating videos and content that really feels native and natural to the platform and what the user's experience is going to be. So I think that's something that's also been very helpful. But yeah, I think we've we've had to dig deep for creativity and kind of keep it fresh on the video side, but it's been a really amazing creative challenge. And I, and I think also just remaining like passionately curious and constantly innovative and being able to adapt has been really, really key on the video side. That's reassuring that it's all shot on an iPhone and you're dealing with celebrities. And, you know, it is refreshing because these are these are country stars who are in music videos that are highly produced or we see them on award shows and all of these things where they are, you know, mm-hmm. shown to us in the highest quality content. So to see something that's a little bit more casual or behind the scenes and to see them in that light or 
pun intended, as you said, you know, through that lens, there's something, you know, kind of endearing about it. So I love that you're leaning into that. Yeah, no, we are we are team phone over here for sure. And definitely looking to, you know, expand that and just keep going on the video side in 2024 for sure. But yeah, we're we want you to feel like a fly on the wall. We want you to feel like you are physically standing there and watching it happen. So mm-hmm. that's that's been good. Well, speaking of physically standing there, we have to talk about the fans <laughs> because your audience, you're not just dealing with followers, you're dealing with with fans. So mm-hmm. I'm curious. What makes this type of audience segment unique? I mean, I know you've been working with fans for a while, but to kind of compare them maybe to your everyday customer, are there certain qualities that make a true passionate fan a little bit different? Yeah, I mean, I think what you just said of like the country music fans are truly some of the most passionate fans I've ever seen. And I have been so astounded like time and time over just how much they show up for their artists and they show up for the artists that they love and and, like fellow fans as well. I think they're so passionate and they're so creative and just so driven. And that has been just one of the highlights working here is just getting to see that in person. Um, So yeah, I would say definitely the passion and, and just like, showing up. I mean, we have artists who play the Opry very frequently and we have fans who come to all of their shows or a lot of their shows. They come over and over and over again. And um, I think that is so incredible. And we are so privileged to have fans that love the Opry just as much as they love the artists that they're supporting. So yeah, yeah, I'd say the country music fans are elite in my opinion. (laughs) Yes. And definitely a reason to move to Nashville. I mean, I know I would be broke if I lived there just with so (laughs) many shows to go to every night. It's endless. So yeah, that's really special. So I'm curious how you tap into that passion and how you spark engagement and interaction amongst your followers and fans. Yeah, I think one thing that I've really enjoyed doing that's a little bit more offline, but I think it's really special is when we have fans who like we had fans who throughout the pandemic were, you know, watching our live stream every Saturday night and helped us keep the Opry going. So the Opry never went off the air during the pandemic. And so just being part of that and seeing them on Twitter, like week after week and day after day we got to reward them like on the year anniversary of having our live stream, we sent out like custom Opry lineup posters to them with their names on them and just said like, thanks for helping us keep the circle unbroken. And there are a lot of times where we do like surprise and delights for fans in the venue um, that we'll see on social media. Like we'll surprise them after we see them saying, Oh, I'm going to the Opry tonight. It's a bucket list moment. I'll kind of find out where their seats are, go get a poster signed or something like that and surprise them at their seats. And so that's been really fun. And like, just to be able to be part of someone's experience and like, bring joy to people in a time where things have been so crazy over the last couple of years has been super rewarding. And I think we also we have like fans who sometimes like dress up like we had these ladies who came dressed as mini pearl one night and we got to bring them backstage to the mini pearl dressing room and like our Facebook fans were just over the moon for these ladies. So I think things like that. And then I think, you know, when we see fans like a couple years ago, there was like a, a trend going around that a lot of the Kelsey Ballerini fans were taking part in. Mm-hmm. And so as the Opry on the Opry Twitter, we posted like within that that trend, I can't remember what it was off the top of my head, but and the fans were so excited. Like we, we kind of just like sneak our way into conversations and just kind of like show ourselves a little bit. We're kind of a silent lurker in some ways. 
But yeah, I think it's been really fun to get to do that. And yeah, just being able to interact with the fans. And we have a couple of fans who, you know, come and see their favorite artists. And we got to surprise one of them with tickets to Carly Pierce's 100th Opry appearance. And just getting to see them share on social has been really exciting. And yeah, people love to see the Opry jump in there and comment on it. So yeah. And those are things that those fans are going to remember forever. So I hope you know (laughs) that we're creating life changing moments. Uh, I just love to bring joy and be part of someone's experience. Yeah. You're like Santa Claus, basically. (laughs) (laughs) Spreading joy, gifting people all these experiences. Oh, yeah. That's that's awesome. So, okay, as you mentioned, the Opry is coming up on its 100th anniversary. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is an an iconic venue. So I, I wish we had all the time in the world to list all the legends who have perform there, but just a few recent artists. I mean, we've got Garth Brooks to Kelsey Ballerini. Yes. Carrie Underwood, Luke, uh, Luke Combs, Lainey Wilson, and of course, Reba, who we love. So I'd love to know with each of these artists having their own unique style and sound and you know th- their own personalities, is that a challenge in your role to kind of have to adapt to all of those things? Or do you consider it more of a creative opportunity? And what is that like? Yeah, I definitely consider it a creative opportunity. I think that through my career, one of the biggest things I've learned is like, there is always going to be challenges, right? And you can either look at it as a challenge or an opportunity. And so I always try to look at the challenges as opportunities in that in that realm. But yes, I mean, so many artists have these amazing social channels and they're so interactive with their fans. I mean, like Luke Combs is one where he has a very specific style of the way he interacts with his fans on his social channels. And so, yeah, we always try to tailor our content ideas and find something that feels on brand for the artist as well as the Opry. Mm -hmm. And we, I think that's some of our most successful content is really when you have something that the artists can get excited about and you have something that the fans can get excited about, it just is a win-win for everyone. So yeah, but I really enjoy doing the research aspect of it, of kind of finding like, here's what they're posting, or here's kind of the trend that they're leaning into, or here's kind of their brand. And how can we play off of that? How can we make that feel, you know, Opry-esque for our platform? So that's one of my favorite parts, I think, of the job is getting to concept and research and like formulate. Tell me more about that, how you do some scheming and kind of fall down these rabbit holes researching these these artists. What is that? Yeah, I mean, it all I think comes down to what you know, your story is. And Mm -hmm. I can give you an example of we had an artist, his name is Dylan Carmichael, who actually used to be a security guard at the Opry back in the day before he was an artist. And as he was kind of coming up in his career, so he played the Opry this past fall. And we were trying to think of like, what's a fun idea we can do with him, you know, share the story, make it exciting. So we had him go back into the role of security guard for the real and kind of just do these fun little things around the Opry, like, you know, shining the member plaques and, you Mm -hmm. know, the set list and all that kind of stuff. So I think stuff like that is really fun. And then it feels really natural for the artist. And it feels like really on brand for them too. of like, that could be something that he would, you know, come and film himself there at the Opry. So things like that have been really fun to kind of think about in concept, whether it's a story like that, or, you know, it's something where, you know, Lainey Wilson always has her bell bottom. So one night yes. when she was here, shared a couple photos from her performance and said, you know, when Lainey Wilson is here, we call it the bell bottom Opry, like kind of just finding those fun ways to 
to lean into the artist brand as well. Yeah, that's that's been a lot of fun. Yeah, that is fun. It's got to be. I mean, I know I said before that a lot of things about your channel are very refreshing. And I think to to kind of jump into those trends and to switch things up every once in a while and to not have to always be the same voice yeah. constantly, that is a, a lot of fun. So that's really cool. Yeah. So you mentioned that you started this role <laughs> in February 2020 of all time, of all times to to start there. But here you are, still here, almost four years later in the role. So you survived the pandemic. But I mean, that was a time when live music, we didn't know what was what was going to happen next. So I would love to know what it was like doing social media for a music venue when there was no music, no events. And what was that like during COVID? And how have things evolved now, now that everyone is kind of back? Yes, yeah. definitely ever evolving. And I feel like social in general has evolved quicker post COVID than I think I've ever seen it evolve in my career. Mm-hmm. And so yes, that was a wild time. But also, I think one of the most special t- like experiences in my career. So for the Opry, we are a live radio show. So we have been going on for almost 100 years. And we have a consecutive Saturday night Opry show. And very rarely has it ever lapsed. There's only a couple moments in history that that's happened for specific reasons. Mm-hmm. But during the pandemic, we ended up still doing the show to an empty Opry house with no audience in the building, but kind of returned to our natural format of being on the radio. And then we had a live stream on our TV network circle that happened every Saturday night. So for months and months on end, it was like every Saturday night was like the day of the week that I would look forward to because it was kind of getting to return to that and see how the show would formulate And I remember the first show with Brad Paisley, Marty Stewart, and Vince Gill is probably my favorite Opry show that's ever happened because it was just so special. So getting to able to be part of that and then moderating those live streams and really interacting with the fans and just seeing so many people being like, this has been the bright spot of my week or this has been the bright spot of my month. I mean, Mm -hmm. and that was such a crazy time and it was so stressful and everyone was really scared. Like it was... There was a lot of emotion happening during that, you know, early 2020 time period. So being able to be part of something that was such a bright spot for people, I think is truly like probably going to be one of the most gratifying moments of my entire career, getting to look back and say that I was part of that. And the whole team just really did such a fantastic job, I think, just coordinating all that logistically. So yes, and then coming back from that, you know, the first show that we had people walking through the door was our 95th birthday show. And so being able to be part of that and just see fans come back to the venue and and nobody has taken that for granted. Like and the fans have showed up, you know, time and time again, and the artists have showed up. So I think just being able to be part of those moments for people and see the impact on social media that we were having on people's lives was amazing. Um, And I'm just really grateful for that. And so yeah, I, I think it's it's definitely been a whirlwind for sure. And, you know, at the core we're still we're still showing up for people and we're still connecting artists and fans, you know, yeah. four years later almost. So yeah. There it is again, another full circle moment to go from empty venues to bringing everyone back and kind of restoring that harmony. I'm curious about how you coped with it personally. I mean, to be brand new in a role 
you mentioned that you see challenges as opportunities. Would you say that that was kind of how you approach this scary time? Like, did you ever think, you know, oh no, my role is at risk or this is a time for me to really prove what I can do and, and prove myself? What was going through your, your head personally? Oh my gosh. Yes. I think, you know, this was, it's the biggest job I've ever had in my career. And it's been the biggest learning. I mean, I'm, I'm so grateful. I've gotten to do amazing things in this role. And I've learned so much that I don't think I would have if I wasn't in it. So I'm so grateful for that. But yes, it was definitely scary. And I think though, like it was um, really a gift in a way, because that was when I got on Twitter. That's when I met you. That's when I met so many people. And for so much of my career, I'd been a team of one and I kind of had been like isolated over in the corner. And so that was really the tipping point for me to say, like, I need to find, you know, a peer network and I need to kind of connect with other people who are in the same situation. And I'm still, you know, obviously in touch with with everyone to this day. So I think I tried to really just look at it of like, this is a growth opportunity. And I threw myself into it like headfirst. I mean, I there was no option besides figure it out and get through it in my mind. And I'm really grateful that I was that committed to it because I've, again, I've just learned so much, but yes, it was definitely scary. It was definitely crazy, but I also look back and I'm like, I'm kind of glad that I was, you know, going through that because I think like I had some of my best ideas. I was, you know, just kind of coming up with some really fun and creative things that I I don't know I would have done that if we had not been in that situation. So yeah, it's like everyone kind of deviated from whatever the plan was. And it's time to game plan and come up with new. Yeah, yeah, we don't have a plan anymore. So yeah, that is a a huge opportunity. Yes. Um, So speaking of Twitter, and you know, things that you've learned with this experience, you have always paid forward your knowledge on Twitter since I've been following you and have, you know, benefited from some of the things that you've shared. And you have just always been such an open book and welcome questions and want to help other social media managers and mentor when you can. And I know you've hosted live Q and A's just yeah. for the goodness of your heart on certain topics. So can you speak to some of those? I know you've done a few over the years. What, what yeah. have been like and what topics have you covered? And just why do you, why do you do that? It's just so sweet. Yeah, well, I'm a teacher's child, so that's okay. okay. (laughs) And yeah, I mean, I just think like I never had kind of anyone to show me the way forward and kind of show me the path forward, and and I never kind of knew that I could reach out to people that worked in other companies, or I could just reach out to people that had cool jobs and be like, "What do you do? I'd love to learn about it." That like never occurred to me for some reason until 2020, and so. I just was like, man, I can't imagine going through this pandemic time period and being like five years behind where I was. Like, I think, like, I think I would have honestly maybe even given up because it was just, there was so much at stake. Mm -hmm. And so I think for me, like, I'm just definitely someone that does like to pay it forward. I, I totally believe in community over competition. And I totally believe in you know, if anyone, you know, messages me or wants to chat or whatever, I'm, I mentor people like all that kind of stuff. So I think it's just kind of who I am. I I really pride myself on kind of making other people feel seen and being a a support to people because I just think, you know, I would have really appreciated that in my early career. And I would love to be able to kind of do that for someone else because you you can kind of change lives that way, right? Or you can you can change someone's career trajectory 
So yeah, I've done a few on like critical thinking in social media and critical thinking skills, which I think is hugely important. Creative thinking skills. I had one like panel that I did with a couple other ladies who are fantastic in this field. And we kind of just answered questions about what we did. And yeah, so that's definitely been a huge like passion project of mine for sure. And it definitely helped me when I got a social media team and Mm -hmm. um, have worked with my team members for sure. Mm -hmm. So yeah, it's, it's just something that I like to do. Yeah, you are an absolute gem. Thank you for doing that and for using your your platform to help, (coughs) excuse me, to help others and to inspire them. So you mentioned your team. I know you're very passionate about working in a team and I'm sure you are a fantastic manager just just by hearing you, you talk and the passion in your heart and knowing what a great person you are. And you've mentioned that when a lot of times when people start a new social media role, they're kind of just told, all right, this is your job now. Good luck. Here's, yes. here's the logins and <laughs> have fun. And you kind of set out to change that. And especially with your own team, you've you know tried to implement some, some guidance. So yeah. what advice do you have for social media managers with their own teams and how can they empower their team members? Yes, I think, and you are so kind. I I definitely <laughs> aim to be a great manager and <laughs> hope that they would say that, but I'm also not perfect. Mm. Yes, I think for me, one thing that I spent a lot of 2023 on is really like more education about showing up as a manager and being a manager. This is the first time I've kind of experienced that in this capacity. So I think for me, one thing that's really helped me is when I have a new team member start, I kind of sit down with them and we talk through like, you know, what, if I'm giving you feedback, what's the best way to do that? Like we kind of go through different situations and I, and then I know their preferences for how they best respond to things. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's been really, really helpful is understanding and, you know, everyone's different. So for my team, like I have a couple of people who prefer to be told feedback a certain way and other people who are different. So I think when you take the time to sit down and talk to people and understand like, you know, what, what's your managerial style or, you know, how do you best take feedback? Or when I have to tell you something like, how would you like me to do that? I think making people feel seen and making people feel important is huge. That's really important to me. And so that's been huge for me with my team is just establishing relationships that way. And I also just think, being adaptable and being like nimble and knowing, you know, that things are going to come up and you're going to have to jump in and support here or jump and support there. And really just being able to kind of flex in and out has been helpful for me. But yeah, I kind of did my own like career path, like development, I guess, where Mm -hmm. I spent a lot of time reading a lot of books about being a manager and talking to people who are managers and listening to podcasts and yeah, it's been very eye-opening and very helpful. And that's where I kind of started. And that's what's been really fruitful for me. So mm-hmm. that would be my advice, I think. I respect that so much because not every manager cares enough to do that. So that means a lot. And I'm sure your team members appreciate it as well and that you do make them feel seen because it's like you, you're taking into account you know, their emotions as well, like how they want to be spoken to and what what are their best communication styles to give them feedback? Because if you deliver it in a way that doesn't always, you know, sit well with them or is not their preference, that can make them feel a certain yeah. way and it kind of sours the relationship. So it, it really benefits everyone to to understand those those things about your team. So yeah, for sure. Thank you for sharing that. So 
on the flip side, what advice do you have for those who are looking to break into social media and just sharpen their craft? Maybe people who are entry level or what are some things you wish you knew when you were getting started? Any oh, any wisdom to share here? <laughs> I think honestly, like for me, what's been really helpful is like studying social media and pushing myself as to like, why do I think this is successful? Or why do I think so many people liked it? I think if you're looking to get into social media, like asking yourself, like, what about it is really appealing and exploring all areas of it, whether that's, you know, reaching out to people on LinkedIn that have a social media job and saying like, Hey, can we chat? Can I, you know, get you coffee, whatever, Mm -hmm. or just literally looking at brands on social media brands that you like, or, you know, find or whatever, and just kind of studying what they're doing and, you know, asking yourself, like, again, why do I think this is successful? Like, why do I connect with this? I feel like I've spent hours scrolling TikTok and Instagram this year, just like finding different companies or, you know, asking myself, like, why? Like, I love the Empire State Building TikTok is like my favorite thing on the planet. (laughs) Collaboration win. Right? Like, come on. (laughs) And, but I'm like, why do I think it's great? Because they're being so authentic and just like fun, you Mm -hmm. know? So I think just being very curious about that and, and really like, thinking about how you consume social media is a great place to start. And I think too, like a lot of people will kind of tell me like, I want to work in social media, but I don't have a portfolio or I've never worked in it before. And I'm like, just make like sample posts for your favorite. Like imagine that you are running social media for your favorite brand. Mm -hmm. What would you post? What would it look like? That's a good exercise that I've used with people before that like, just kind of gets them in and feeling comfortable about creating content Mm -hmm. and then, you know, build from that. But I think, yeah, that's, I would just say study social media, like Mm -hmm. don't just consume it, but study it has been really impactful for me. And that's where I would suggest starting. Yeah. And to, to take that a step further, one thing I always suggest with my students is as they are studying this or seeing content that they like and, and making these observations about content that they're coming across, if they write about it and they share why they think it was successful or what they liked about it or why they thought it, you know, was so engaging, that is going to show how they think. That's going to show yeah. their perspective. That's going to show their critical thinking. That also may get the attention of the team that posted it and, and open the doors for a potential relationship there. Yeah. So that's another way to kind of build a, a portfolio in the absence of a portfolio is to, yeah. to write in your industry and not just keep these observations and thoughts to yourself, but to proudly publish them, even if you are entry level or an intern or just starting out, it's like your perspective matters regardless. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. I love that. So, well, one other thing I love about you and it's been evidence in our conversation here is that you're always learning, always trying to make yourself better. So not only do you mentor others, but you have a mentor of your own, someone that I absolutely adore, Jenny Lee Fowler who is the director of social media strategy at MIT. And we have to give her a shout out because she's got a brand new book out. A link in the description, all about organic social. So congratulations, Jenny. But I would love to know what is a little nugget of wisdom, something that you've learned from having Jenny as a mentor that you can share with the class, if you will. Oh my gosh. First of all, I don't think I gave her the option to be my mentor. I kind of just told her (laughs) that she was going to be my mentor. (laughs) She has been the biggest gift to me this year of, I think that Jenny is just 
first of all, she's an outstanding human being. She is fantastic at her job, but she's really great at like pushing me of, you know, sometimes I get really caught on things and I'm like, Jenny, like, what do I do about this? Or like, and she gives me the courage, I think, to to like be myself in it. Like I get very like, oh, but what if it goes this way or what if it goes that way? And she's like, so just just roll with it. And yeah. so I think she's she's been a huge gift to me in the sense of like she's given me a lot of courage and she's given me a lot of encouragement. And she just like is such a great listener and is such a great advocate for other people that I think it's been a refreshing reminder to me of just how like fantastic other people in this industry are. And she is yeah. just, I mean, I could sing her praises literally all day, but yeah, I'm really excited for her book and I'm really excited for people to see that because yeah, she's just so amazing at that. And she's really great at like empowering me. And I think that's everything you want in a mentor or a mentor figure. And yeah, she's, she's just been such a gift to me in that realm for sure. She's the best. And on that note, I mean, her book is going to be a gift because we all get to kind of benefit from having her as a a mentor in a way, maybe not personally, but we can benefit from her guidance and her learnings in her book. So definitely check out the link in the description. We we just love you, Jenny. And we have so many great, amazing things to say about I can't wait to hug her in person one of these days. I know you've met her in person. Oh, I have. Yes. So jealous. My, my in-laws live in Boston, so I'm up there periodically, but we haven't made it happen yet. So next time, hopefully next time. Yes, next time. <laughs> Maybe let me know and I'll come and join. Yes, please do. Or we could just all meet at a show at, you know, at the office. Or we could do that. Yes. You know? <laughs> Be fun. So lastly, you said that this year, 2023, required a lot of deep creative work on your end, and your essentials for sparking ideas have been fidget toys, color pencils, a quiet space, and a walk in the morning. Sounds perfect. But also some great books that have helped you this year. So in addition to Jenny's book, what are some books that have helped your creativity that you'd recommend? Oh my gosh. Well, yes, I made a post on LinkedIn about this. So there's like a big rambling list and all my thoughts and feelings about them. But two in particular that have been like amazing. And I think everyone that I work with is like, we are so tired of hearing you talk about this because I've bugged them all. One is Idea Flow. And I found this book because I was listening to a podcast where somebody mentioned Idea Flow, or I think the author of Idea Flow was on it. And I, th- I was like, that is so interesting because I think, as you know, like creating content and in social media right now, like you just have to be so creative and maintaining that creativity is so difficult that I had to kind of rewire my brain a little bit and kind of come back to my process and change it because it's really easy to get stopped up. I'm like, okay, here's an, here's an idea, but am I really thinking out of the box? Am I really applying the most creativity? And I really just challenged myself this year to, to, kind of blow that up a little bit. So idea flow talks about the process of creating ideas and applying that to not only business, but also life. And yeah, it is just such a fantastic read. And I've implemented kind of the idea flow process with my team and with how we're creating ideas for reels and TikTok and all of that. So that's one of my favorites. And then one of the other ones that I also really, really loved, it's called What's Your Problem? Okay. It's about reframing. And one of the examples in the book that I love is 
it's like an apartment owner, apartment building owner who is getting complaints from tenants that the elevators are slow. And they're like, okay, so, you know, how can we re-engineer the elevators and make them faster? Like everyone's trying to figure out how to make the elevators faster. And someone else in the room is like, well, why don't we just put a mirror in the elevator bay? Because I don't think the problem is that the elevators are slow. I think it's that people are bored while they're waiting for the elevators. Ah. So it's, it's kind of like teaching you how to reframe problems of like, oh, is the problem that we're not getting engagement on social media? Or is the problem that maybe we're not posting content that, you know, our audience really wants to see? I think it's been really helpful in the social media realm of pushing yourself to really think about what's going on. And if you're really solving what you're looking to solve. So that's been a fantastic read for me that has been helpful in both my personal and professional life of just kind of reframing and what does that look like? And so that's been a really fun exercise for me this year. What a great example. I'm going to have to read that and share that. That's a, that's such a funny anecdote. Well, Jen, thank you so much. Again, thank you for just everything you've put forward and just how you're you're helping other professionals, how you're helping your team and how you're spreading, you know, the joy of country music and changing lives as we as we've discussed today. So, is there anything else you'd like to add? Any lasting thoughts? You know, maybe where people can can follow the Opry or anything exciting coming up or just any other lasting words of wisdom, not to put you on the spot, but Yeah. No, I mean, I I just, you know, it's such a privilege to to get to work on the team that I work on and get to work with all the people that I do and and to get to do what we do every day of, you know, throughout all of our venues, Opry, Ryman, ACL Live, Old Red, being able to be part of that experience for people, I think is just it's just so invaluable. And, and I, I take it to heart and I look at it as a true privilege. So yeah, I, I think, you know, if you've never kind of experienced that or, you know, want to check out our social channels and, and see what we're doing there, we, we definitely always welcome that. And yeah, I'm just really excited to kind of be in this space and looking forward to 2024 and all that it's going to bring and really excited to just have more music and more artists and more fans and more social content. So definitely excited for the year. Sounds good. Well, I will be linking those channels and also your channels because you've got more book recs, I'm sure. I'm sure you've got a huge reading list for the new year. Yeah, so many books. We will make sure we're all tuned into that. But Jen, thank you so much for coming on today. I really enjoyed our conversation and we've got to meet in person at some point. Yes. (laughs) Thank you for having me. Of course. Anytime. Thanks, Jen. Thank you. If you're a fan of this podcast, be sure to subscribe or better yet, leave a review. For marketing wisdom with a pop culture twist sent straight to your inbox, sign up for my newsletter at briannefleming.com slash newsletter or find me on Twitter at Brianne2k. As always, thanks for listening.